Hello everyone, I'm Becca, dietitian by trade, mom 24-7, wife from the start, and when there's a few extra hours in the day, you might find me hitting the trails or on horseback. And I'm Kara, a therapist to women, a mom to a boy, an entrepreneur, mountain junkie, and a postpartum runner. And this is Fit for a Queen, a podcast that's devoted to the female athlete wanting to balance the teeter-totter of all the things we desire out of life as women. Performance, health, intellect, and taking time for self, even if we only get one minute out of the day. We're so excited to be bringing you the queens in the athletic world who have done just that. Okay, ladies, take a seat at your thrones, grab your crowns, and welcome to Fit for a Queen. Welcome back, Fit Queens, we have Sally Roberts on today, and Sally Roberts is a former elite wrestler, army soldier, sports psychology consultant, and founder of Wrestle Like a Girl, a nonprofit organization. Sally was a resident at the Colorado Springs Olympic Training Center for eight years, during which she was a three-time national champion, 2003 World Cup champion, 2003 and 2005 World Bronze Medalist, and a 2008 Olympic alternate. She served six years in the Army as a Special Operations Soldier, where she volunteered for deployment in Afghanistan. She was also a member of the Army's prestigious world-class athlete program and represented both the U.S. Army and Team USA in elite athletic competitions. She earned a BA in psychology from University of Colorado, Colorado Springs, and a Master of Arts degree in sport and performance psychology from University of the Rockies. She has a certification in nutrition from Institute of Integrative Nutrition. In 2016, Sally founded the nonprofit organization Wrestle Like a Girl Incorporated on the premise that girls can do anything and that through sport can realize their full potential. Sally received the 2016 Woman in Sport Award on behalf of the United World Wrestling and International Olympic Committee. She's a board member of the USA Wrestling, the United States Olympic Committee Youth Development Working Group, and Association for Applied Sports Psychology. She's an athlete ambassador for True Sport, the grassroots organization for the United States Anti-Doping Agency. Sally spoke at the United Nations Global Good Summit and participated in the Global Goals World Cup Activist Soccer Tournament at Team Sports Equality Enforcers, promoting the UN Sustainable De- Development Goals. Whew, you have such a good bio, it's a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> Sally and Wrestle Like a Girl was featured on Megan Kelly's Today Show and named U.S. Wrestling Woman of the Year for 2018. Wow. Woo. Sally, you've been busy. You're kind of a badass. I have been busy. <laughs> All good things. <laughs> We'll jump right into it. Um, can you tell us a bit personally about the adversity you had to overcome in an extremely male-dominated sport? How did you go about maneuvering this world of sport of wrestling? I would say that every phase of my athletic career, there was a different challenge or hurdle to overcome. When I first got into the sport, it was because I was facing going uh, growing up my, my mother – uh, had been married a few times and I didn't like being at home. So after school, I was shoplifting, breaking into the houses. I got into a lot of trouble, which led to me getting put in front of a juvenile detention officer. And, and I was given a choice. I either had to find an after school activity or go to juvie. And what that meant was I, I tried out for all the girls sports, softball, basketball, volleyball, but I got cut from all of them because I didn't know how to play well with others. I saw that wrestling was a no cut sport. So that's actually how I got into wrestling was because <laughs> I knew that as long as I went out and wrestled and I didn't quit, that meant I wouldn't go to juvenile detention. Uh So 
the first challenge that I encountered was um, learning how to play well with others. And, and for me, probably it was the best that I was on a boys team because I was able to be really aggressive and really mean. And instead of fighting, I learned how to translate that on the mat into wrestling skills and technique. And though I didn't have a winning record at all, what it taught me from those very beginning stages was how to get along with the opposite gender and keep your shoulders back, your head held high, and really carry a confidence about yourself where they looked at what what started happening was they didn't look at me as Sally the girl. They looked at me as Sally the wrestler. Like suddenly I was – I was transcending gender. And then when it transitioned over and I was wrestling on an all women's team, well then I already understood how to hold myself when I was around my male peers so that if there was any challenges, uh, you know, maybe some derogatory comments or something like that, I, I was able to understand that in that moment, what I needed to do is confront the challenge head on because if I were to sh be shy and walk away well then that would give them power over me and they thought it was appropriate to continue making jokes or um, making some sort of derogatory comment but if I looked at them in the eye in that moment and said wait why did you say that are you saying that I'm not a good wrestler are you like tell me what you mean by that and then they would realize oh what I said was inappropriate and she's wanting me to explain myself and I don't actually have an expl explanation I'm just going off of the history, the culture, the society, um, some of the some of the things that I've been exposed to when I I've been being raised, and through that, it's actually been a really positive relationship mm. for me and in, in a male-dominated sport where I was always able to walk in and say, "Well, Sally doesn't count because she's a wrestler; she's not really a girl." Mm. And I, I realized the um, in, interesting elements of that, and I absolutely use that every single time I walk into rooms to say. They're all wrestlers too. What you guys see is gender, but what you really should be seeing are athletes. Mm -hmm. I like so that. interesting. You would actually encourage if there was a flippant comment made like that, rather than just going, "Oh, boys will be boys," or let's not stereotype anybody. Kind of making a comment, you encourage him to address it head on and say, well, "What did you mean by that?" Yeah, and the the element that I brought to the table was um, they all knew that I liked to fight. And so they were like, oh, uh -oh. Shoot, I don't answer this. Right, there's there's going to be a fight that erupts, which is true. Like, for probably the first 10 years of my wrestling career, like, I was a hothead. And there was, you give me a bad reason to get into a fight in the wrestling room. Like, I was going to take it. I had to really work hard at making sure that I was just using wrestling technique so yeah I in that moment I would confront it head on but then the, the like the the second and third order effects is that they also knew that I also wanted to fight so if they answered it inappropriately so there started to be a culture <laughs> shift when I came into this space and then um that was just another way for them to be able to say oh maybe the way that I'm handling myself isn't appropriate and I better get myself right because otherwise she wants to punch me <laughs> <laughs> You definitely found a good sport to channel your passion, that's for sure. No kidding. <laughs> so we would love to hear um, how you came about with this idea of wrestle like a girl and what the, the mission is. Yes. In 2008, I took second at Olympic trials in the sport of wrestling. The number one person goes to the Olympic Games. So by virtue of taking second, I was the alternate. And I was really heartbroken about that, I, I went into what I would consider mild to severe state of depression. And I knew that unless I changed my physical space, my mental space was probably not gonna change. So 
I did what any irrational, overly depressed elite athlete that really had a propensity to fight and be overly aggressive would do. I went to the nearest Army recruiter and said, I'd like to join the Army. Um, Can you please give me the toughest job that you have? And they said, well, you want to go into special operations, and these are the two jobs that you could qualify for if you pass these tests, um, physical and intellectual. Okay, great. So... I actually joined the military. I went special operations. I volunteered for deployment. When I was in Afghanistan, I was walking around the countryside, and and the little girls that hadn't yet gone through puberty, they would come up to me, and they would touch their thumbs to my thumb, and they would just look at me with these big eyes, and they would say, oh, an American woman. And you could just see them like they'd never seen anything like me. Mm. And I started to have this pull in my heart to say, wow, when I'm done with wrestling, I want to give back, and I want to be able to affect the lives of girls Mm. like her, but not just in Afghanistan, all over the world, and especially in the U.S., because I, like everyone else knows, that we also need to be able to cultivate opportunities in our own cities, our own communities, our own countries. So when I came back, I had this idea that I wanted to give back, and I just wasn't quite sure how to do it or where my fit was going to be, and one day I just had this idea of like, you know, I want to be an advocate and I want to be able to use my voice and I want to be able to use my accolades and I want to be able to open the doors for girls like the girls that I saw in Afghanistan, but also the girls that are wrestling here in the U.S. And I looked around the landscape and I saw that there was some other national entities already doing work, but there was no one really being a strong advocate in my mind for girls and women that wrestled at large. So I started to think, well, the best place for me to be where I can have my voice and not have it be hindered by any um, anyone else's agenda is I'm going to have to create my own organization. So I founded the organization Wrestle Like a Girl. And really the beautiful aspect of what I did was I went into it with a heart wide open saying, I'm going to listen to these girls and women that are my bosses. And what is it that they want? And because of that, the mission has changed slightly as we've gone through some Uh, growth over the last two and a half years because I'm listening to their feedback. But at the end of the day, our mission is to empower girls and women using the sport of wrestling to become leaders in life. So that means that we're doing empowerment camps. We travel across the U.S. and we travel across the world teaching girls the sport of wrestling, and we pair it with sport and performance psychology, nutrition. We teach them how to goal set, how to control their anxiety. Um, we're building in new elements of our curriculum for safeguarding so they understand what appropriate communications between an athlete and coach looks like. We're building mm-hmm. in a coaching curriculum so that the coaches understand what proper athlete-coach relations looks like, and they're being um, – Put on notice that hey this is the way that we're going to expect and demand you treat our our athletes not just our female wrestlers but any rest or like any athlete that you come in contact with regardless of gender so that's one of the elements that we do the two other things that we do is that we work with the high schools uh the executive committees when we first founded wrestle like a girl there was 44 states that did not have a girls high school sanctioned state tournament <clears throat> and in two and a half years the numbers then dropped down to 34 states so nice. we've had quite a bit of success by really just presenting the facts showing the numbers and making them aware that this is a movement that is here to stay and then we work with at the collegiate level with different associations to create more opportunities because we recognize that 
when we have these empowerment camps, the girls then want to go and wrestle in high school. The girls that want to go wrestle in high school, they want to go to college. Sure. Depending on what their background and their resources are, it, it may not make sense for some of these girls to go to a four-year private school that's $40,000 a year if their median family income is $40,000 for a family of five. Mm -hmm. They're not going to be able to afford it. So we looked at the landscape and said, well, we really need to help support NCAA emerging sports status because that's going to be able to open the doors for those affordable four-year in-state institutions, especially for different cultures where the girls don't want to leave their families. Um, we're noticing that more and more with the Hispanic, Latina, Latinx communities. I would love to go wrestling college, but I don't want to leave my family to go do that because I have to contribute and I have to be involved. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that that's one more element of what we're doing. And I would actually say the fourth pillar of what we're doing now, because it has become requested of us is that other countries are asking for us to come in and help them grow their women's wrestling developmental pipeline wow. yeah, recognizing that by um yeah by the ioc said that by 2030 we want to see 50 50 equality in all sports we're the only female-centric organization in the world that promotes wrestling females in wrestling and, and we're female-centric so we're able to go into communities where um men may or may not be allowed because of modesty or history or culture and we're able to support these girls and women so that's that's a, another thing that's sort of uh, cropped up and occurred because of how we've positioned ourselves and the advocacy and our unapologetic nature and how we're going to empower girls and women wow, that's so awesome. i'm curious um <laughs> having grown up with friends that were wrestlers i know males they struggled with well i don't want to beat up a girl or i i, I don't want to play fairly how would you advocate for that female wrestler to be treated equal um either by being able to join a team but also in competition if she's having to face up against male male counterparts we recognize that for men, depending on where you live, the majority of them, it's considered a lose-lose situation. If I beat a girl, well, I was supposed to. If I lose to a girl, oh, my gosh, this mm -hmm. is very embarrassing. And um, they're really looking at their peers and teammates to see what that response looks like. So there's a few things. One is that there has to be a culture shift where if we don't have enough girls to be able to wrestle girls, then the girls get to wrestle on, on boys' teams. I was in the WCAP, the World Class Athlete Program, and it was it was a co-ed program. I wrestled with these male soldiers every day, and I recognized that there's an age difference and there's a maturity difference. However, what what stays the same is that you have wrestlers that are in the room that are either running from something, they're running to something, they're heroes and heroines in waiting, and if we can get them the opportunity to be able to figure out who they are and what they are in the, within the sport of wrestling, then they can go on and do other things in life. So being able to understand that conversation, which is we're all athletes in this room, two arms, two legs, we all love the same sport, but then also recognizing it's going to be very important to start creating and fostering those opportunities for girls to be able to wrestle. 
so that girls get to wrestle girls because on the other side of that coin, there's female athletes that are saying, I would love to wrestle, but I don't want to wrestle against boys, Mm -hmm. especially if they're over 116 pounds because there's physiological differences, Mm -hmm. Um, especially if you're wondering, oh my gosh, I have to put a spandex singlet on and according to all of the media images of what girls and women should look like, I don't look like them. Um, So you're having some confidence issues and you're going to have some body image issues. But at the end of the day, girls shouldn't have to test themselves, their merit, their medal against males to say that I'm worthy or that I'm valuable or that I'm I'm winning because that's just not the case. And we don't have to do that with any other sport. So actually with New Jersey, New Jersey got um, created a, its own girls division in one year. So they spent, they basically um, created a land speed record of equality within the sport of wrestling in New Jersey. What happened is sometimes we think that it's the interest that creates the opportunity But what we're finding and what we know now is that it's the opportunity that fosters the interest. And in New Jersey, once they created that opportunity, the interest grew. And there's a 400% growth increase in New Jersey (laughs) in the amount of girls that are wrestling because the opportunity was created. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I would never offered (laughs) where I grew up. (laughs) Well, Sally, what are you picturing kind of long-term? What do you envision long-term for Wrestle Like a Girl? What's on the horizon? There's so many incredible, wonderful things happening. Um, we are expanding our, our camps. So before we were doing 10 smaller empowerment camps, and we we're really trying to target them in areas where we wanted to help uh, foster and cultivate the growth of female wrestling. And through the feedback that we've been giving, getting from girls, they're saying, hey, we love it, but we want you to come to places where wrestling's already strong because we want to be supported too. Okay, mm-hmm. so we're partnering this year with Jackie Joyner Kersey to do oh, wow. a Jackie Joyner Kersey winning in life and a wrestle like a girl clinic so that it's going to be able to support 250 girls. It's going to be in East St. Louis. It's going to be incredible <gasps> oh, because we Richard. all know Jackie Joyner Kersey is a rock star and mm-hmm. she's got such an amazing platform. So we're starting to collaborate and build these opportunities now because there's other women that have already paved their way within their own sport that are saying, if we can collaborate, we can build on that. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of the other things that we have on the horizon is we're working with different stakeholders in the college realm that are going to be able to help support these girls as they're getting ready to make the transition from high school to college to say, how do I find a college team? What is a culture? What's a good collegiate culture look like Mm -hmm. how do I how do I apply for a scholarship how do I and so and these are things that I wouldn't even necessarily be able to answer unless I started to learn myself because I went right from high school really I got recruited to a college team but then I went and wrestled at the Olympic Training Center I can't tell you about how the NCAA policies work but the girls are gonna have to know so that they can understand that but beyond the NCAA the NAIA is offering an invitational, so there's going to be more opportunities for girls to wrestle in the NAIA, and the junior college system is also really growing so that girls, if they don't want to go right away to a four-year school, they can go to a junior college, but they're still going to need that mentorship of what is the right path for me considering all of my, all of the logistics that play into my life. And then the other thing that we're doing that's on the horizon for Wrestle Like a Girl, of course, expanding our staff and fundraising but we're really going to start hitting hard on safeguarding because we recognize with what's been going on in gymnastics within mm-hmm. some of the Olympic sports, um, arguably Nancy Hogshead Maycar will say within all of the Olympic sports, we just don't know <laughs> about it yet. Um, 
you know, really making sure that athletes know what their rights are, what what they are, the opportunities that are afforded to them to understand what what is appropriate conduct yeah. from a coach to an athlete, but then also making sure that athletes know what appropriate conduct is too. And even more so, what do you do if you are in a situation of either being abused or you detect that there's some spidey sense going up where there's, there is inappropriate actions happening and you can suspect that there's grooming. How, how do you make, um, how can you call that person out or how can you be an advocate so that it doesn't actually get to a place where you're being abused or your, your athlete sisters? Mm-hmm. You've done a great job of having a well-rounded curriculum. Yeah, we had Nancy Hogshead McCarr on, and I think that's great instilling all these things into each sport, including yeah. like wrestling, such important stuff that needs to be done. So you, yes. know, you talked about how like opportunity creates interest um, I was kind of on the flip side, the fact that I started out at a smaller NAI school and I didn't realize this till recently, but they were one of the first ones that had women's wrestling. So I assumed most every other school did and then went to your website and there's a petition that there's what only one division one school right now that offers a scholarship for wrestling. Hmm. Is that correct? Correct, but it's even it's even more than that. There's only one Division One school that offers women's wrestling at all, regardless of scholarship. So oh. uh, there's there's a couple of Division One schools that they have clubs, but even then the clubs aren't aren't wrestling at the Division One level. They're wrestling in a club system. Yeah. So what that means is the girls are saying, "I want an opportunity to be able to wrestle for a Division One program, just like." the boys do just like the men do so we have a petition it's called wrestle the gap because there's a gap right now between the opportunities at the division one level for male and female wrestlers and right now we actually just got some of the analytics back on it last night the campaign has over 16,000 signatures it has gone to six continents so if anyone from antarctica is listening please find <laughs> and it's gone to 73 countries yay and one of the things that's so incredible and it just lights our hearts on fire, the majority of the signers, according to the demographics that, that we're seeing, they're older men who are either in the sport of wrestling wow. or their daughters are wrestling. And they're saying, we want our daughters to have equal opportunities. <laughs> or they're saying, we are involved with wrestling and we need to have more opportunities because we want to have proportionality within our sport. Mm, that's awesome. I love that support. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. We'll be sure to blow that up I'm on our show notes that out. and social yeah. media so we can get more signatures. We'll send to our listeners in Antarctica. Mm-hmm. And there, yep. Yep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, Sally, you've got a lot going on and, you know, a road ahead of you, too. So please tell us how you live out the fit philosophy in terms of balancing performance, health, intellect, and time for self when you're doing all this great work. Yes. So one of the things that I did, I relocated from Colorado Springs to Washington, D.C., cut down on my travel extensively, Mm -hmm. which gave me more me time. I'm training for a half iron woman, which has been quite a bit of fun for me. (laughs) So that's how I'm able to get my fitness in. But that is also helping me just sort of unravel some of the thoughts in my brain so that I can really be more effective in the business space. Mm I love doing yoga and and now that I'm in DC and I don't have to travel as much I'm I'm learning how to be this jack of all trades so I'm taking cooking classes I've gone and um 
started taking some wine classes so that when mm-hmm. I go out to these high-end dinners and wax the philosophical with um, diplomats, <laughs> dignitaries, and people that think that they're very important, and sometimes they are, I can say, hey, I would love to drink some of this um, Chardonnay that is from the south of France. Uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, I actually just read um, there's an institute that's at Stanford, and they look at people's lives, and they said, you know, on average, people want to have about seven lives because they want to do so many things. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at that like, oh my gosh, me too, because uh, once I finish with Wrestle Like a Girl, whenever that is, I want to go to Hollywood, and I want to start acting, and then I want to go and, and help support other girls and women in marginalized places like the Democratic Republic of Congo, and I want to go help Dr. Dennis McGuege, who's uh, founded the Pansy Hospital. I want to do so many mm-hmm. things. So, like, the bulk of my work is Russell like a girl, but I reach out and I go and touch different areas so that I can be as well-rounded as possible because it's really important for me in order to be a true advocate. I have to understand the history of who I'm sitting across from mm-hmm. so I can really make sure to touch their heart and their mind so that they can get on board with not just supporting wrestling, but understanding why equality matters, understanding why we need to have more women having seats at the table for um, businesses so that we can have uh, not just a group think, but we can have different ways of thinking and everyone can come together and build a collaboration. So for me, I want to learn how to do everything. And the fit philosophy means that I have to expand my my reach. And because it's not necessarily work, I'm able to go out and learn how to drink wine or I'm able to go and read a book about Jordan because we just got Prince Ali Hussein of Jordan on our board of directors. So now I have to understand about the royal family and some of the history of that. So <laughs> it's, it's incredible to me. And, um, and, and really, I just never stop learning because that is what gets me up every day mm-hmm. is recognizing that each and every day I have an opportunity to grow within myself so that I can have an exponential impact on all of the communities that I want to help support and advocate for. Sally, you just said something so powerful that for us to get to a place of equality, we have to know where that person's coming from and we have to take that initiative ourselves mm-hmm. to learn more, read more. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, I, I don't know if you guys have seen the documentary RBG for uh, the Ruth Bader Ginsburg documentary. Sure. I've watched it about 17 times. <laughs> Must be good. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. I love like she is the one heroine that I can look at and say, wow, you have just paved the way in such a non-traditional way. And at one point she said, as she was getting ready to go and address the, the Supreme Court, she said, my goodness. I am incredibly nervous. But then she stopped and paused and she said, wait a minute, I have a captive audience. I have to reframe my own thinking and recognize that I am now a bit of a kindergarten teacher because I have to make a case as to why this is important. But for me to get there, I have to look at it from their lens so I can change Mm -hmm. their hearts and minds. And within the military, that was my job, psychological operations. My job was to change the hearts and minds of the people that – I was going out having these conversations with. And when I was able to fold that into the work of Wrestle Like a Girl, that was when we went from, um, you know, a local community-driven effort to, hey, can you come speak at the State Department? Can you please come to the UN? Can you talk about these to high-level officials? Because that was how I was able to really create change because other people on the side of the, across from me were saying, 
I get what you're saying because you're giving it to me from a perspective that I can understand. Mm-hmm. That kind of gets, just gave me goosebumps yeah. of what we have to do. <laughs> Crossing the lines and the other person's perspective and where they came from. No kidding. Yeah. Lots of good things to think about. Well, Sally, we can't wait to see what happens, and we're going to hope that we can get more signatures for you. And, um, boy, gosh, Karen and I might have to road trip to St. Louis. We might show up at that camp. That's like three hours. (laughs) And if I drive, it might be faster. (laughs) (laughs) We would love to have you. We would love to have you. (laughs) Well, thanks. (laughs) Well, you have a great rest of your week, and thanks for coming on. um, Keep doing what you're doing, Sally. Thanks so much. Thank you, but also thank both of you because you're able to amplify the voices like myself and my colleagues, Nancy, and all of the other sisters that I work in the same space of. And because of you, we no longer feel like we're screaming into these dark closets of darkness, but it's actually getting spread out across the world so that everyone can hear what we're doing, having impact, and recognizing that there's more women and girls like us, and, and no one's alone. So thank each and every oh, Thank you. Gosh, thank you. appreciate it. Yep. We'll do some. <laughs> Thank you to our sponsor today, Sentimano Counseling. Sentimano Counseling is the premier perinatal mental health practice in Kansas City, treating mood disorders during pregnancy and postpartum, perinatal loss, infertility, eating, and exercise disorders. Go to Sentimano.com for further information about the practice and services. For additional information on today's topic and guests, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Fit for a Queen. And Hashtag fit for a queen. And don't forget to rate us on iTunes. We can't wait for you to join us next time on Fit for a Queen. Bye, queens.